0: And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So it's getting a little bit late, but uh, I want to get this out to you. Um, another episode that is regarding coaching searches, and one of the fun things, and I'll be honest, I don't listen to the full, it's an hour long, but I, I try to try to get the gist of it, I guess. But one of the, the fun things about this episode is that it actually applies a lot to what we're dealing with right now. We're talking about Mike McCarthy as a head coach, and um, McDaniel, or whatever, McDaniels, and, and for the Patriots. Why can I not think of his name? It's not Mike McDaniels. Anyways, uh, there's that. And my general thoughts on that, as well as teams, good landing spots, et etc., cetera, et cetera, which, again, still kind of applies. I was happy to hear that, you know, Brown's job, probably not a good job. Jet's job, probably not a good job because they're just garbage organizations. I was historically correct on those. Um, and then a little bit about free agents, but mostly big guys. D. Ford, Jadavian Clowney, um, things of that nature. I am a little bit nervous because around this time of the year, I got a lot of stuff wrong. Uh, number one I wasn't a huge fan of Lafleur. fortunately yesterday I think I at least kind of was coming around I also don't think I don't think I was anti zadarius and Preston I don't I'm guessing I hardly even talk about it. but I would assume if I do and I'm nervous that I'm going to come up on it and be like this is a trash pickup I know I didn't say it after we picked him up although I'm sure I wasn't super thrilled but um anyways I'm sure that's coming and it's making me nervous but I'll try to uh I'll try to be honest and not accidentally forget to post that episode. But anyways, why don't we take a break? And uh, again, that's what today's about. Otherwise, I will talk to you tomorrow. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let's get started. First of all, Big Mike McCarthy, he's uh, he's out doing his interviews and that's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. Um, I, uh, I I mentioned early on that well, whatever, it doesn't matter. However you feel is how you feel. I, I I like Mike, very appreciative of what he's done. Kind of upset that he's gone, even though I know it's the right thing. I think everybody acknowledges it just wasn't working. But uh, I think he's a really good coach. He's a really good family guy. He's done a lot for uh, Wisconsin, for Green Bay, for Packers fans. So, I don't know, it's kind of cool to get updates on him. He's going to be interviewing with the Browns on Thursday. Uh, he's interviewing with the Jets. I'm not entirely sure when. But uh, the other good thing about that is... It would be really cool to be able to see. He obviously wants to work with a very young quarterback. That's kind of his whole thing, right? He, he always enjoyed that. He came to Green Bay. He got to coach up Aaron Rodgers, you know, a young, talented guy that he really wanted in San Francisco. They passed on him. He got the opportunity to come here and coach the guy up, and it really turned out very, very well. So you look at the Arizona Cardinals with Rosen. You look at the Jets um, with Sam Darnold. You look at the Browns with uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, he's, he's got a real opportunity to continue his reputation as a very, very good coach. And depending on where he goes, I don't want to make predictions on how well he's going to do because there's certain jobs that are just, you're just going to die there. That's just, and I don't mean die there in terms of, like, you're going to actually pass away because you'll be gone long before that. He's got an entire lifetime um, because he will be, well, let's let's just call it what it is, the Jets. It's not going to work. Darnold is awesome. I just don't like the Jets' organization. It's just no good. It's actually somewhat how I feel about the Browns as well, even though that's considered one of the top jobs out there, and for decent reason. They've got a good GM. They've got a decent enough-looking quarterback. They've got, uh, you know, they've been drafting first-round picks since forever. Even though um, Jim Dorsey came in and uh, cut about half of them because he said that the last GM was trash, and none of these guys are any good, and he cut them all. I would still be relatively concerned about that. I, I would like to go somewhere. I think at the end of the day, you got to acknowledge that leadership matters, and that goes even above the GM. You've got to look at ownership. Because, it, it, listen, the NFL is built to push the teams on the top down and pull the teams on the bottom up. They're built that way. That's what they want. They want turnover. We want you to win the Super Bowl and then go to the bottom of the pile, slowly start to decline. Right? You just, it's just like this up-and-down ride. You go up, you go down, you go up, you go down, and teams just take their turn. Sometimes you get organizations that are just so well-oiled and well-run and strategic, like the Packers and the Patriots and the Steelers and the Saints, or, you know, they have good quarterbacks or whatever the situation is, but you still have to have good leadership. You know, the, the Packers with their GM situation, you know, you can say, well, it's because of Aaron Rodgers. Well, is it? What happens when you stop drafting good talent? It kind of falls apart pretty quick but i mean at some point you got to look at Haslam the owner of the Browns you you got to look at the owners of these teams and just say you are devoid of any ability whatsoever because there's no reason ever for you to be this bad for this long that should never happen and that would be a concern of mine even if i'm cuz everyone's talking about the Browns that's the best job and it probably makes sense for Mike McCarthy they got a good GM which should be enough to kind of shield them from a terrible owner so that if I can be assured that the owner of this team is going to just go in a in a back room and count money and leave us all alone to be football people and do football things and build a football team, I'm good with it. But there's something wrong in Cleveland, man. And I really do hope they turn it around. I think their fans are deserving of it. I like Baker. It's basically, I mean, if they succeed, it's just, it's nothing but Packers guys who went out and turned this thing around. You know, Dorsey, McCarthy... Wolf, you know, Hightower, they're, they're just, it's its a, the leadership is all ex-Packers who went out there and just were like, all right, let me show a garbage team how to actually be a good team, and then they grew a good team. Or another way to look at it is Packers leadership saying, okay, fine, let's see, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a team that doesn't have talent and doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see if it's just Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre dragging, you know, dead bodies around, or if we've actually got something going on here, and obviously they're building something. But anyways, it's kind of cool to see Mike McCarthy, and I would like him to be able to succeed as long as it's, you know, with the Jets or the Browns or somebody far away that we don't have to interact with very often. I uh, I don't know. I like keeping up on it. It's going to be fun to watch, too. I'm, whoever he goes to, I'm going to be watching intently. I want to know how things are going. I want to see, because it's interesting to me. Is he a terrible coach? You know, maybe he's always been a terrible I don't know. And I don't know if that'll even answer the question, but it, it's just... It's hard to tell because, as I've talked about a million times, there's so many variables that go into a whole football team. You look at Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers, and if you tie those two things together, you know, Packers success and McCarthy, he's a great coach. If you look at all the separate variables and say, how much of it is Mike McCarthy and how much of it is everything else, Ted Thompson, Aaron Rodgers, Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, whatever, it's kind of hard to put a number on it. 5%? 50%? 90%? 5%? 50%? 90%? How much of it is Mike McCarthy? So, interesting. As far as Green Bay Packers news, as far as head coaches go, things are moving rapidly. Um, there are a series of ones coming up that I've already mentioned. The meeting with Josh McDaniels is scheduled for Friday. I'm, I'm really starting to think that's going to be it. I really do. I don't know if I'd put it at 50%, but hit, hit, the percentage of him compared to anybody else is astronomically higher. First of all, because of the, 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 there's just not a lot of names. There just isn't. I mean, you, you look at all the other names that are out there, who else? You know, I, I they haven't even scheduled an interview with Bienemy, enemy. And I've even got some questions as far as how much is, I mean, he's he's brand new. He's just an offensive coordinator this year. Prior to that, it was Nagy. Prior, you know, whatever. It's 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 just kind of this Andy Reid chief system. That's, it's the players. It's the system. And he came in, and he kind of... Can operate within the system but I I don't even know is he calling the plays or is Andy Reid calling the plays I don't know the uh whatever but you look at the people that the Packers are interviewing and it's just it's it's just kind of there's one guy that stands out like a sore thumb beyond that as I've said they're they're pushing to meet him quickly there was a report that came out recently that said it was you know the the I think it was like one day after the season ended or whatever they they immediately reached out to him, basically like within twenty four hours of being able to reach out to him, they reached out to him to schedule an interview. So it was it was instant. They knew there was no question. We gotta get out, we gotta move quickly. And and the reason I say it beyond that that it seems like a real deal is because I'm I'm reverting back to that tweet from Zachary Jacobs Jacobson. I forget. But his report that he had an inside source saying that this was their guy and they were gonna interview him and they were going to lock him up and do it quickly and it kind of makes sense because it you're in one of two camps with um josh mcdaniels if he has you know again we're talking about percentages if you look at the patriots and you look at josh mcdaniels and say he is a big part of the reason they are what they are he is that guy there's not a whole lot to talk about here right that the success speaks for itself if he is a big part of the reason that the Patriots are what they are and have done what they've done, and you believe that he can bring that to Green Bay, you want him. Because he stands out heads and tails above anybody else anywhere else. Now, there are other variables that come into this, but again, it's, it's just a question of is it a problem or not, right? He, he bailed on the Colts. Does that bother you? If it does, don't even call him. If it doesn't, call him. Well, they're calling him. So a lot of the questions that they have, they've already answered for themselves. And they're they're going to have a few other questions for him in the interview process. But I'm willing to bet, unless this is just not a serious thing, which would be surprising. But again, you bring him in, it would be a valuable interview even if you're not interested in actually hiring him. But the urgency with which they're going through all this and now the reports that they actually really do want him and are planning to lock him up quickly, of course, he would have to agree to that. It just feels like this is not only for real, but they want him, and it's just a matter of, like, it's yours to lose, right? It, it's, it's his job right now. He just has to come into this interview process and just not fail it. He doesn't need to knock it out of the park. Just don't fail it. If you come in, you got a bad attitude, whatever, which I don't think so. I went and watched a few um, interviews. I just wanted to hear him talk and articulate, like, did he seem a little goofy? You know, was he kind of Winston Moss-esque, where it's like something's—you know—he's a—he's a good football guy, he's a cool guy, but something's not quite right with him. It was none of that. He's—he's he's young, he seems intelligent, he seems—you know—whatever. He, he, he acts and conducts himself like a coach. Um, beyond that, you have to love the the discipline. You have to love the way that they do things in. New England not to say that they're he's necessarily going to bring that over right there's all the stuff about Matt Patricia coming out of the the most disciplined organization and he's late to his own meetings or whatever just kind of ridiculous nonsense but um again everything that you need to know I, f- I feel like the Packers already know and it's just a matter of just talking to him getting a sense of you know there, there's a handful of questions that we really need to know before we're positive if we want to get them but that's just that's that's the feeling I'm getting with with the way that things are going and again as i've mentioned how many teams currently are looking for head coaches compared to how many guys are actually head coach material i mean if you've got a guy you better move quick and what are they doing they're moving quick and they've got other interviews lined up and everything else but this is the one they want right now you know as far as guys that they're interviewing as soon as the season ended this is the first guy and he's he's meeting with the Packers, I think, before anybody else. So there's there's this mutual thing going on here, you know. He, he's there's interest in McDaniel's, but he's visiting the Packers first. The Packers have interviews lined up. They're meeting with McDaniel's first. Um, and again, people talk about the Browns or the Packers, which is the better job. I think if McDaniel's is going to go somewhere, you know, maybe he's interested in the Browns job, but I don't think so, man. McDaniel's isn't. McCarthy. I think they're different guys coming from different things. I think you know McCarthy's. I get the sense McCarthy wants to to groom a young quarterback, and I think if you look at McDaniel's, he kind of wants to do. He wants to be a head coach, but he doesn't want to flop again. Now, he hasn't had the success that McCarthy's had. If he's going to go somewhere, he doesn't want to. You know he. It's it's a different way to build a reputation. If M- McCarthy can re- replicate the success he's already had by building from the ground up, that's going to be awesome for him. McDaniels needs to go to a place that's somewhat similar, you know, because again, I don't know how talented he is as far as building, but I know that he can run something. Right? It's two different kinds of things. You put a brilliant chef into a prospering and prosperous restaurant, He's going to make great food and have a great career, right? You can be a great head chef. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're, you know, Gordon Ramsay, where you can go in and go into a garbage restaurant and fix it up because you have to understand the business side of things as well. What about your prices? What about where are you sourcing your food from? I don't know. Wash the floor once in a while. Whatever. There's a difference between a great chef and a guy that can, you know, build a business from the ground up. I don't think McDaniel's wants to build a business from the ground up. So I just think it's a good marriage. I think the Packers are looking for a guy that can, you know, run a a well-oiled machine already. And the Packers feel like, listen, we we know how to do this. We are a professional organization very similar to the Patriots. We're not, you know, we don't have these goofy owners that do crazy stuff. We're very stable, we're very consistent. We stick with our guys, and if you're our guy, we're going to stick with you. We've got a great Quarterback, we've got a really good, you know, reputation and all this different stuff, and, and this is a great opportunity for you to come in and just be the head chef, right? We just need the greatest chef in the world. Again, we don't need you to build everything. We'll we'll support you. Now, granted, he did take a job, and there's rumors that he wants more power and he wants. I don't. I think hopefully he's a little gun shy there because he shouldn't want that because it blew up in his face. If I'm McDaniel's, come in. Take the you know, take the easy route for now and try to build something. Because right now, your reputation is kind of garbage. You're a maybe good offensive coordinator. I don't even know if that's true. Come in, organize the Green Bay Packers, and I know I'm talking like it's a foregone conclusion, and I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying, let's just assume it's happening. It It would make sense for him to just come in, be a head coach, get a good offensive coordinator that you trust. If you can bring over... You know, your defensive coordinator from the Patriots, again, you've got the stability. You've got people you know. You've got people that you can trust. You bring it into Green Bay, which is already a relatively stable organization. The GM has spent the entire season purging guys with bad attitudes to try to, you know, clean house a little bit. You know, we got guests coming over. Let's I don't want to see messy garbage everywhere so that we can make a really strong sales pitch, and I think the Packers can. Does Does he want to go to the Jets? I wouldn't think so. You want to go somewhere where you're going to get beat by the Patriots twice a year, every year? No, man. You want to go to the Browns with this garbage ownership that just ruins this team year after year after year? I mean, maybe if you just think you're the baddest man on the planet, but again, you've been a head coach and it went pretty terribly because you went to a terrible team. Granted, a lot of it was probably your fault. But you've, you've played that game before. I'm going to go to a bad team. I'm going to take a head coaching job. I'm going to build this thing from the ground up. We're going to make it go. It didn't go, especially if you're going to be instituting your new offensive system that this this Packers team doesn't know. You're going to want to go somewhere, first of all, that's going to invest in you for a while. In other words, we're not just going to quit on you. And that's the problem with ownership, too, because what have I talked about with owners? Owners listen to fans. Owners, owners care about the howling wolves and all this stuff. If fans start saying, this is trash, it was a terrible season, fire them. Owners go, okay, bye. Like, dude, it was one year. How are you going to give up after one year? I, I think with the Green Bay Packers, you have the ability, and that's what they're going to be talking about in this interview process as well. A, a good head coach is going to come in and say, listen, we've got to overhaul some stuff. I'm going to need a couple years, man. I'm going to need some time to... to to build this thing up and i want to work with you i trust in you guticons and we're going to build this thing and we're going to make it work whatever but again stability is going to be very important you know a a, a good you know just people that you can rely on you don't want to go to a bad organization even the browns even though it's like oh they got a good quarterback now and they've got some talented players because they had high draft picks yeah but it's still just a bad organization they just find ways to fail so anyways, that's just my thought. It's it's not my preference. I'm not saying I want McDaniels. I'm just saying it makes sense that that's going to be the situation. I think it makes sense for the Packers, maybe. But again, it, if it didn't, you're not calling him. If, if you don't want him because you don't like what he did to the Colts, if you don't want him because you don't think he's actually the reason the Patriots are successful, any of these big question marks that I personally have, I don't know. If I call him, it's not maybe going to be with this much urgency. I don't know, and and what questions am I going to ask to verify that? That's kind of going to be, that's going to be kind of tough. But anyways, that's just my thought process it, at this particular point in time. I do believe that uh, Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach, but we'll see. Things change pretty rapidly, and really, it's 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 he still has to win. You know, just because there's they could be ninety percent sure that they want him, and the interview could go terribly, and it just goes south. In other words, the Packers and uh, McDaniels believes that there is an imminent contract offer and they both want it and it's just it's something's gonna happen, it's not gonna work out. Or McDaniels maybe is gonna hear something that he doesn't like. I don't know. Um the Brian Flores thing, the Patriots um well, linebackers coach slash defensive coordinator. They are meeting with him this weekend. I actually think this is a big I don't I, again, I kinda wonder if this is further due diligence on Josh McDaniels because there's a good chance and I, you know, as a Patton fan, it makes me a little bit sad. I think Patton did a good job considering the circumstances, but I have to assume that again, McDaniels doesn't want to come here and fail. He wants to succeed and he needs people that understand. You know, the less work he has to do the better. And if he can bring as much patriot staff with him as possible and just say, "Listen, we're going to run things the way we ran things before and then turn it over entirely to Flores and say, "You go do you know, institute what we do, you do defense, I do offense, right? We're going to split it up or whatever. That's going to be ideal. Otherwise, you, you know, it's just it's just more work. And it would be beneficial, I think, for the Packers in terms of a sales pitch to say you have that ability to bring in your own defensive coordinator, even though the Packers maybe want to retain Pettin, Again, the more power you can give these guys, the better. And to handcuff them and say you can come in here as the head coach, but you're not touching any of the coordinators, we're going to handle all that. I don't think so. He's going to want to be able to hire and fire at will, which is to say there could be a lot of turnover. The interesting thing, though, is he doesn't have a huge... um, He hasn't worked with all that many people. He's been Patriots through and through pretty much since day one. So if he's going to be hiring people that he knows and likes, not that he can't reach out and interview other people for coordinator positions later after the fact, but, um, yeah, he hasn't hasn't worked with a lot of people outside of the Patriots organization. So, um, again... If he's bringing people, he's probably just going to be poaching guys like, you know, Brian Flores, if he can even do it. Obviously, he would offer him a defensive coordinator position. The Patriots have to make a decision whether they want to offer him a defensive coordinator position, who can offer more, which is more appealing, whatever. My my gut says if the Patriots say you are now the defensive coordinator, he's not leaving because why? Why are you going to follow Josh McDaniels when you can stay with Bill Belichick and a proven Super Bowl champion team? I mean, Brady's going to play as long as Rodgers plays anyways, so what? who cares? Um, otherwise, on the coaching front, the only two relatively interesting things, the uh, Pat Fitzgerald did say he's staying at Northwestern, and the Packers are still going to make a bit of a sales pitch. I suppose there's no real reason not to. I mean, if you, if you want the guy, you know, it's, it's just sort of a hear-me-out kind of situation, right? He's like, ah, I don't really want to. Okay, well, you haven't heard our offer yet. You haven't heard our sales pitch, so we're, we're, we would like to give it to you and just see what you think. Um, with that news, it does kind of make me think that, you know, this isn't just a pick your brain kind of thing. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe, I mean, again, it doesn't cost you very much to try your best to just get him in for an interview, but it does make it seem as though this was one of the guys at the top of the list. And now again, with a very small list and you see Pat Fitzgerald and and all these other college guys saying, no, I'm staying in college. The list is dwindling pretty rapidly. If, if any of these guys were actually on your list, but you know, again, these things are, they're going to move quick. And you don't want to drag your feet and, and, you know, be worried about due diligence. And at the end of the day, all these guys are hired and you get to February and it's like, okay, so here's our results. Uh, Here's the five guys that we really like. Unfortunately, they were all hired, but um, at least we figured it out. Number six is a bum. He's not any good. So maybe we bring back Philbin. I don't don't really know what to do, right? There's not, there's... There's like two or three <laughs> that maybe could be legitimate, very, very good head coaches. Hire them. Uh, the other thing that's sort of interesting about Pat Fitzgerald is not even about Pat Fitzgerald, but it's about Cliff Kingsbury, the guy that was a lot of people really wanted the Packers to talk to him as far as being either offensive coordinator or head coach. They love the offense at Texas Tech. I watched a little bit of it. I don't know. I, I wanted to get an idea of what's so crazy about it. and it, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. But I guess when people say it's like this really innovative offense, I'm just expecting like ridiculous things, basically like trick plays all the time. And it just kind of looks like a normal offense with occasionally you got guys moving in awkward directions. But anyways, bottom line is he got taken off everybody's list because he accepted a position with USC. He's going to be the head coach for USC. Um, However, yesterday (laughs) news broke that he is going to be interviewing, I believe, with the Cardinals and the Jets. So... Why exactly USC would allow this, unless maybe they don't have the ability to stop it yet? I don't know. You would think as soon as you sign on the dotted line, the athletic director can just say, uh, excuse me, no, and why, and how dare you, and um, you better (laughs) be very successful here because I'm regretting hiring you. Why are you interviewing for these? What are you talking about? You want to, no, I don't understand. Even if 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 Cliff was like, look, man, I just want to, I don't, I don't know, like it's not real. They just want some information. I want. To, wh- why? I don't. I can't even think of like a a thing that would make it worthwhile. No, you have work to do. You're here at USC. Learn about our program. Learn about our players. Start building something. Go to work. What do you in? No. But anyways, apparently, to some level or or another, he's back on the market. So. Cliff Kingsbury, somebody you can discuss again. If the Packers, you know, want to, they could reach out to him and say, yeah, why not? Otherwise, again, as far as Pat Fitzgerald, nothing means anything anymore. It just, it doesn't matter. Like, he said he's staying. Don't matter. Lincoln Riley, he already signed an extension. Apparently, it doesn't matter. I don't know. (laughs) These contracts must be incredibly fragile. No, that's not, that wasn't the word. It is fragile, but that's not the word I wanted. Frail was what I was going for. But anyways, otherwise not a huge amount of new head coaching news. I do love that there is, I I find this, I'm terrified, but this is incredibly exciting. I mean, this is kind of like last year's offseason, where you just kept hearing every time there was a free agent, the Green Bay Packers, you know, there's three teams that uh, reached out to such and such, the Jets, the Browns, and the Packers, and it was always the Packers are one of them. It's like, this is amazing. We are like at the front of the news all the time in the offseason. The season ended. I guess this is one of the perks of being a bad team. I don't know. This is why, when I've been doing my draft stuff, um, I've been looking at sort of regionally where I've been doing well. Browns fans love the draft, and for obvious reasons, you just you you develop an appreciation for the off season because that's kind of kind of like your Super Bowl. I guess this is where cool things happen for your team. And again, the off season's all just about optimism you you get new free agents and you get new coaches and you get new players in the draft and it's like, Oh, we're gonna win the Super Bowl and you got thirty two teams saying that because it's just it's all about the optimism and it's fun and exciting that way. But anyways it's exciting and it uh it's gonna help me get through the off season, that's for sure, because we're gonna have a billion things to talk about. If we had lost a you know if this was like twenty fourteen or something, and we were a good team that failed in the playoffs which I'm just assuming is what happened because it's what we did every year up until recently. I don't know that there's much to talk about. Same players are coming back, same coaches are coming back. So, have a good offseason, everybody. But anyway, speaking of free agency, let's pivot now to some of these free agents. And again, this is a very cursory look. Um, I might even do a little bit more in-depth tomorrow just to kind of give, you know, whatever. But just to give an idea some of the top names and uh, obviously guys that we would want to bring in i won't mention people that are irrelevant so first let's just get into the meat right away and look at some of these pass rushers there's some pretty big names um the first one on the list that i wanted to look at was demarcus lawrence from the uh, dallas cowboys now right off the bat there's <clears throat> there's two problems one i can't imagine the dallas cowboys are going to uh, let him walk two is that he is a 4-3 defensive end. And he never has really stood up, at least not since he's been a dominant player in the NFL. He is hand in the dirt every single play. If anything, he slides to defensive tackle about as much or more than he goes outside standing up. And when I say he never does it, I'm talking like maybe once or twice a year. The man stands up. So if we're going to invest big-time money into a big-time player, I need to know that he can handle it no matter what. One of the good things, however, is that... um, apparently he had played under a, a franchise tag in 2018 and is refusing to play if the Dallas Cowboys franchise him again next year. Now the Cowboys are, are doing fine. They've got, you know, $54 million in cap space. Uh, his market value is around $20 million. for a guy like that, especially when we're talking about a team who's really becoming dominant on both sides of the field, right? We, we've got a really good player on offense that's helping on time. So we've, we've got a quarterback that's pretty good we've got a running back that's very good and now we've got Amari Cooper that seems to be panning out pretty well for us and on top of that we've got a defense that's really starting to play well Um, we've got some good players but we've also got some real studs we really hit on Leighton Van Der Esch in the draft but this is the guy this is I mean he's arguably the best player on this entire team he's easily the best player on their defense if he if he costs 20 million bucks give him 20 million bucks he's only what 26 years old you could sign the guy to a 4-year contract, no problem. By the time his contract's up, he's going to be the most undervalued player in the NFL because edge rushers are going to be getting, you know, top edge rushers are going to be pushing 30 at that point. But anyways, that's that's one guy. It's something to consider. Not sure it's the best fit in the world, but if he's available and he's willing to come here, and again, similar to McDaniel's, if you believe that he can do it, if he can stand up and be just as good, there's there's really no question. If if we can lock him up for 20 million bucks, it's a done deal. This year Pro Football Focus has him as the 7th best edge rusher in the NFL. Last year he was the number 1 edge rusher in the NFL. So, two years in a row he's at least top 10. And I think that's what you get with him. I think you get a top 10 pass rusher. Well, a top 10 def- edge rusher I should say. I I don't know about his pass rush specifically. Well, I guess I do. He was number 1 in 2017. And in 2018, he was ninth, so still top 10. So that's one. Again, concerns about the position he plays, but um, if that's not a concern for the Packers, go for it. $20 million is nothing. I mean, it is. It's a lot, but it would be monumental to get a person who is that good on the team. A similar prospect is Mr. Trey Flowers for the New England Patriots, also a defensive end um i would again have to assume he's not going anywhere he's just coming out of his rookie contract uh market value is set currently at about 15 million uh, absolute rising star right, right right out of the gate he was graded as good uh second year out of the gate he was he was technically very good and then this year he was graded as elite uh third overall um edge rusher in the NFL currently graded but again it's it's one of those situations where you don't let your young talent right you you draft and develop players you don't let those guys go and the Patriots being a good organization understand that as well as anybody I'd be shocked if he goes anywhere however again the question is can you convert him to an outside linebacker and this is all assumed, And who knows we, we could be a 4-3 team next year I, I don't know there's really no reason we can't be we don't have outside linebackers anyway so who cares most of the outside linebackers we do have are big, giant, stocky guys that can easily put their hand in the dirt. fackerel stands out as somebody who can't, but he would have to become an outside linebacker if we even keep him, because he's, I believe, he's in a contract year. So we could just let him walk. I actually had questioned this early in the season because I noticed all the edge rushers we were picking up are, you know, these six foot three, two hundred sixty-five, two hundred seventy-pound guys, and it's like, what, what are we doing here? You know, these these giant set the edge type players that seem to be more. 4-3 defensive ends anyways. You know, the Nick Perry types. But anyways, that that's something else that we need to consider, I suppose. And we'll we'll have a, we'll have an answer to that by the time this happens anyways because we're going to get a new head coach and potentially a new and talk about a connection if we hire the Patriots offensive and defensive coordinator to come over and be our head coach and defensive coordinator, pretty good chance we're going to be playing 4-3 next year and guess who is a a target, Mr. Trey Flowers. Again, they're not going to get a chance at him because he's going to get a contract extension. But if he hits the market, there's no question that we're going to be targeting him. Another guy, Mr. D. Ford for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. This one's a little bit more interesting. Um, Not necessarily in a good way, but uh, more interesting. First of all, he is 27 years old. So he's a little bit on the older side, even though I believe he's just coming out of his rookie contract. He is an outside linebacker, which is a little better fit, assuming we're 3-4 again. Man, this is this is making for an interesting conversation if we end up being a 4-3 team. This is going to be crazy. Also makes drafting someone like Devin White really interesting, because then <laughs> imagine Jake Ryan, strong side, you know, Blake playing, you know, Mike linebacker or whatever, and then even though Devin White's kind of a big, stronger guy, he's got the speed to play weak. I don't know, man. It'd be crazy. Maybe we could put Fackrell on that side. Whatever we're not talking about that today. I think the biggest reason this is interesting, I don't don't think Kansas City is going to let D. Ford walk because their defense is already kind of poor. Um, And he stepped up. He was ranked ninth as an edge rusher in the NFL. There are other edge rushers, guys like Justin Houston. I mean, these guys are, they're getting up there in age. So if you've got younger, and I say younger talent, you know, 28 isn't necessarily young, which is what he's going to be next year. I don't know that you can let him walk, but I just don't know if I like it. In other words, if he hits a free agent market, I don't know if I want him. Primarily because essentially for the past four years, he has not been a good football player at all. He was average in 2016 and 2014, 15, and 17, which 2014 is rookie year, he hardly even played. And he was also injured in 2017. But even so, he had not had a single good year, and then all of a sudden he's just elite. Freakish pass rusher coming out of nowhere that makes me nervous so you you got a guy in a contract year kind of comes out of nowhere and plays really well he's already 27 we're talking about 16 million bucks to lock this guy up it just makes me nervous too many variables um he's also somewhat of a smaller guy he was a first round pick 6'2", 252 it just feels like a high risk play you know injury history 28 years old almost already 252 pounds was a complete bust for four straight years, has one good year, and not even good all the way around, just as a pass rusher. He's not good in coverage. He's not good in run defense. He's not the greatest tackler. I'm just not interested, but it's an option. Next up is a guy everybody's talking about, Mr. Jadevian Clowney. I haven't been as high on him as a lot of other people have. Um, You know, When I'm looking at his pro football focus grades, the biggest thing that stands out is sort of twofold. First of all, he... He was the first guy I ever fell in love with because he's, 2014 is the first, that sounded weird. I should have finished the sentence. He's the first guy I ever really liked in the draft. Let's let's just leave it at that. Because 2014 was the first year that I started looking into draft prospects and actually trying to do a little bit of homework, but that was still in the first year, basically the year where I just looked at highlights. So obviously, (laughs) he's one of my favorites ever. But there's no question, he, he, was, he is a freakish human being, physically just an absolute freak show. The biggest problems, though, and we'll get into the financial part, and yeah, I do I would be happy if we got him. His rookie year, he barely played, was not all that great. Uh, 2015, saw a little bit more playing time, still not all that, all that great. I mean, a really good run defender, but as a pass rusher, um, he was great at his average. Pro Football Focus credit him with five sacks and they always go high. I don't think they use half sacks is what it is. I think they just, everything is a full sack. But yeah, so not all that great. Then he's a full-time guy in 2016, 2017, 2018, and it's kind of the same thing. The pass rush got a little bit better. He got into the good category. Coverage was still good. Run defense was very good. Pretty much the same story in 2017. His overall grade actually went down a little bit. His tackling grade was terrible, which for the last three years, he has had a terrible tackling grade. His coverage grade was pretty bad. His pass rush grade was, again, average. They credited him with eight sacks, which, again, I'm sure is high. Let me just look at his real sacks. I'll look at it when it's done. Then this year, that's when things really took off. His overall grade was elite because his run defense grade was elite. His coverage grade was very good, and his pass rush was almost up to the very good category. So it was his better, best, bestest year overall by far but it's still concerning maybe i mean considering his freakish athletic ability maybe this is just him kind of starting to put it all together this isn't like d ford where you look at and go this is kind of a fluke you know i you know physically this guy can do it if he can do it he can just do it we know we're getting a really good run defender but i don't know i I, if i'm gonna pay this guy to be an elite edge rusher i want him to be a top edge rusher now overall Jadavion Clowney was the eighth best edge rusher in the nfl as far as run defense, he was number two in the NFL. As for pass rush, he was 16th. Now, to put that into perspective, Kyler Fackrell, our number one edge rusher, was 44th. So not even starter quality, but it is what it is. Just something to consider. I, I think Jadavian Clowney is, you know, physically gifted beyond probably most people in the NFL. Right? He, he's J.J. Watt level physically gifted. He just he's he's a freak, but I don't know that the production has always been there the way you'd kind of hope it would be. And again, he's getting better every year, so maybe. But I don't know if it's necessarily a slam dunk as much as everybody says it's a slam dunk. I mean, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be better than the guys that we have. He's an instant starter. He's an every down guy. But I I just, I don't want everyone to just assume, oh, we're going to get this guy and he's just going to be an automatic 10 sack guy. Here's his, here's his actual numbers. 2015, four and a half sacks. 2016, he had six sacks. 2017, he played all 16 games, he had nine and a half. It's not terrible, but again, if we're looking for an elite guy, I, I, I wouldn't, I'd not I'd kind of like to get to 10. Fackrell got beyond 10. 2018 this year, nine sacks. So, um, you know, it is what it is. His pass rush pressure rate, which is, I don't even know if PFF measures it. They kind of do it a little bit differently, but I just basically take the total pressures divided by the number of pass rush snaps, it's at 10%. 10% is pretty good. You want double digits. I think Kenny Clark was the only one in 2017 that had it. I don't know who has it this year. Maybe probably Fackrell. I don't know. But 59 total pressures on 581 total snaps is not bad. 10% is kind of the minimum. I think 13% is when you're getting into you know pretty good category. Then you get up into 15, 17, 18. You're getting into like elite, upper echelon kind of guys. So 10% is, is okay. You know it's, it's one in ten. i mean it's pretty straightforward right one in ten times you're going to end up getting at the quarterback now you got to understand the breakdown here 38 of those were hurries meaning he you know the quarterback saw him kind of ran away a little bit and then probably completed a pass somewhere 12 of those were hits so 12 times after the ball comes out he gets his hands on him and then nine times were sacks so there you go i uh, just want to look at a couple more guys here uh we'll just do two more Again, maybe tomorrow we'll do a more exhaustive list and I'll have a little more time to do a little bit more homework and whatnot. And I'll probably maybe throw something up on social media just to see what you guys think. So get in the Facebook group. That's where I'll probably do it just to get your insights on who you guys want to see as, as free agents or just hear about whether you like them or not or guys, whatever, open forum. But let's talk safeties. I want to talk about Earl Thomas right out of the gate. It's actually, I think it's kind of interesting because there's kind of a dueling dynamic here where a lot of people aren't even talking about Earl Thomas. It's as though a lot of people look at it and say, you know what, he's 29, season-ending injury, nobody wants to touch him? I'm, I'm not really sure. Now, I'll acknowledge that there's some risk here, and the other thing I don't really like about it is he's going to ask for a good amount of money, and he's probably going to get it. As much as the safety market has tanked and it, you know the injuries thing, we, we might look at it and say you can get him at a discount. I don't think so. I think there's 32 teams, including the Seattle Seahawks, that would love to have Earl Thomas on their team. Um, I, you know, it's hard to find estimates on how much he's going to command, but um, there's some thought that you know Eric Berry has set a market about 13 million a year that he's going to do better than that. Let's just call it about 13 million dollars a year. The other interesting dynamic here is that the consensus that I had read, I don't remember where, but it was something to the effect of. He may not get as much in guarantees, but you know a a twenty five million dollar guarantee at signing wouldn't be that out of the question. Well, the, <laughs> that kind of answers another question of mine, which is how long do you sign Earl Thomas for? Well, you can't sign him for a one year prove it deal for thirteen million dollars, but give him twenty five million in guarantees. That doesn't make any sense. the The closest you could get to that is a two year fully guaranteed deal for twenty six million. But I would assume that's not the case. What we're looking at is a, a three, four-year contract. That's a lot because now the problem is salary cap. If we sign Earl Thomas, this is going to be our one big one. You know, you, you take the the 40 million-ish, and you take 13-ish off of that. There's still some room to work with, but you're going to have what seven million dollars to pay your your draft picks. So that's 20. That puts you at 20 million dollars. We're going to be resigning some people. I mean, it's it's getting down pretty low. We're not getting anybody that's you know 15 million dollars or whatever anymore. That that's kind of I mean we can because I think there's going to be some post June 1st cuts, which is going to you know even if we go negative, which I don't I don't know if we can go negative. We might have to get our finances in order prior to that. I'm not really sure, but but we can count on some money being free later. Guys like Nick Perry, I don't think it's prudent to cut him like today or whatever to free up money because we end up taking a bigger cap hit if we do a post june first cut we save a ton of money but the problem is everybody's gone at that point so we're not signing guys with nick perry money not this year next year we can this year we can't i mean not right out of the gate we can do later signings whatever but the flurry of free agency stuff where all the real big name guys like earl thomas and Jadavian Clowney, they're gonna go flying off the shelf early these guys we got to use the 40 million dollars we have the one guy we could probably cut early if we really needed to save some money, and I'm I'm not saying I even want to cut him, but Brian Balaga would be somebody. I, th- I don't think it really hurts us to cut him early. If I'm reading this correctly, it's it's the same situation, which would mean you know we we could move on from him and get uh, six point seven five million dollars, which isn't a ton, but it's it's a lot. If you know if if, if you look at thirteen million dollars minus Brian Balaga, we're we're getting him at you know what seven million dollars a 7 million hit to get Earl Thomas that's pretty awesome but you know so so there are concerns he does have injury issues he is 30 years old but in 2018 he had the best year of his career now it it was small sample size so that's something to consider but in 2017 same situation it was his you know third best year but we're still talking elite the guy really hasn't had a bad year 2016 wasn't his greatest but it's not like it's been you know, 2015 elite, 2014 elite. I mean, the, guy, the guy's just unstoppable. He's one of the true, I mean, when, when you talk about a true sideline-to-sideline side free safety, the guy that gives you the ability to actually play single high safety because he can get from one side to the other in time, a guy that's that's just unbelievable in, in his coverage abilities. He's, he's great as far as getting the ball. You know, you look at the NFL passer rating, 73.6, 80.9, 43, 82.9. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, he played 237 total snaps in in 2018. That's it. Only 237 snaps. He had uh, one touchdown, three interceptions, a pass breakup, 73.6 passer rating, right? I mean, he he had more touchdowns than any one of our safeties, including HaHa Clinton Dix. Last year when he played 921 snaps, which is less than what a guy like HaHa played, but it's I mean it's technically a full season whatever. Two touchdowns, two picks, five pass breakups. He gets his hand on the ball. He's able to convert those into interceptions and he apparently has a nose for the end zone because that's kind of incredible. <laughs> to have two picks and both of them get returned and then this past year three interceptions, one of them gets returned for a touchdown. 3 of 5 interceptions in the last 2 years, plus six pass breakups. The, I mean he's just he's just on another level and there aren't many guys like it even coming out of college right you look at pass rushers and there's there's always a nick bosa there's always a guy that's just next level good there's not always an earl thomas there just isn't as much as safety isn't necessarily as you know premium of position as edge rusher and it's not even as important as a lockdown number one cornerback still it's valuable because of its its rarity Right, it's it's the scarcity value that makes it so valuable, and Earl Thomas has it. So something to consider, because you know, e- either you you want a guy like this and you're going to pay for it, or you're not. Which is why again, even the next guy we're going to talk about very quickly is Landon Collins. Landon Collins is not Earl Thomas. If you want to pay him because it's safer and the age and the injuries and everything else just seems fine, he's not Earl Thomas. He'll never be Earl Thomas. And that's why you you pay one thing for Landon Collins, you're still going to pay a premium for Earl. You're, you're paying the Earl Thomas premium is what you're paying. Because that's the name of it. Because he's he's it. <laughs> he's the guy. I'm, I'm overstating it a little bit. There are other safeties that are unbelievable. But, I mean, it's Earl Thomas is in a category by himself. That's it. Now, Landon Collins is pretty much the exact opposite of Earl Thomas. Not to say that he's bad, but he's not nearly as good. However... The guy is 24 years old, and there's already talk that he's not coming back. To the Giants, that is. If the Giants let Landon Collins walk, which I'm not convinced they will, you've got a 24-year-old Alabama, which is just becoming like safety you, like every year there's a first-round Alabama guy, including HaHa Clinton Dix, including last year, including this year in 2019. There's another one, Deontay Thompson. But he, oh, he was a second-round pick, 33rd overall. He's basically first-round. First pick in the second round. But uh, 24 years old, about to be 25, but whatever. Very, very young. Um, but but the, the, there is a talent gap. And I, I think if you look at just pro football focus, first of all, right out of the gate, he was an every-down starter. His rookie year, though, he was a heaping pile of trash. Really bad. 2016 and 17, he really stepped it up. And he's a well-rounded guy, even even maybe more so than Earl Thomas. Uh, his, his number one asset, seemingly, at least in 2016 definitively, was run defense, great tackler he was effective as a pass rusher and pretty decent in coverage 2017 was his best year same exact thing it was pretty even across the board run defense tackling and coverage were about even and then pass rush was you know it was something 2018 though at least as as far as pro football focus goes if you don't want to buy it fine but again a lot of people get hyped and I don't really know why. I don't know what sources you have or what, what you're... Do you just remember him in college? Do you remember seeing a highlight reel one time? How these things happen, I don't know, because I don't apparently have the same resources you do unless you guys have Game Pass and you went back and watched all his film. I don't know where... I know some people do that, and that's awesome, but a lot of people love Landon Collins, and I'm just kind of confused what exactly is the amount of research you've done to come to that conclusion. I mean, legitimately, I'm not trying to be mean. Just tell me, because maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. But Landon Collins was not great this past year. And you could try to argue, if you wanted to, that the Giants weren't bad. But they're better this year than they were last year. Last year, they were way worse. Especially the last couple of games, they've gone absolutely crazy. And this past game against Chicago was his worst game of the season. Abysmal. I mean, it was, it was his only abysmal game of the season, to be fair. But, uh, I mean, overall, he's, he's graded as good but he's just barely in the good category. His run defense is average. His tackling is average. Those two things have regressed. Pass rush stays about the same, which is just kind of, you know, good. And his coverage regressed down to above average. It's the worst since his rookie year. To put a, to put some numbers on it, look at his NFL passer rating. In his rookie year when he was terrible, 125.7. 2016, it was 70.1. 2017, 94.8. In 2018, 127.8. That's worse than his rookie year. Now, that's just one metric, but it's, you know, what it is. He has three pass breakups, apparently three touchdowns. I have no idea how because he has zero interceptions. Maybe he's just getting a ton of you know fumble recoveries. I don't know. But it's an option and it's, it's an option that I kind of like. It's just a question of how much. And according to Track, he's going to be commanding somewhere in the order of about nine million. That doesn't seem like much. But you got to understand, I mean, Youth is one thing and, and relative talent is kind of okay, but haha Clinton Dix was relatively talented. As much as you guys don't want to admit it, he had talent. I know, tackling wasn't his thing. He was terrible at tackling. Yeah, and you know what else? When he left, we couldn't cover deep anymore. You ever notice how early on in the season nobody was able to take us deep? It's funny how everyone just it's a foregone conclusion, haha everybody knows haha Clinton Dix was terrible. You don't know that. All the times that the Packers weren't getting carved up and it was like, oh, this is definitely, it was one of the reasons I said Pettin is a different kind of guy because at least they're not getting these deep shots all the time. Suddenly he leaves and it feels like Dom Capers' defense all over again. We're getting carved up. tremon is not ha-ha Clinton Dix, that's why. And if you look at his grade by Pro Football Focus, everyone's like, oh, that proves that he's garbage because they had ha-ha graded really high and he was terrible. They said his tackling grade wasn't very good, but so what? He's going to get graded more heavily on coverage because he's a safety, and he's a free safety at that. His coverage wasn't bad. Yeah, he takes garbage angles, and he kind of takes some plays off. Yeah, yeah, he does. But anyways, whatever. Landon Collins, same situation. Do you want to lock up $9 million, and it's going to be a long contract? We're talking like a four or $5 million deal, $9 million, $10 million a year for a guy that's maybe as good as Ha Ha Clinton dicks? I mean, his, his, I don't think he's as good in coverage. He's definitely not Earl Thomas. He's not a sideline-to-sideline side guy. He's, he's, he's better than what we have, and he's a long-term solution. But I don't know, man. That's an expensive long-term solution based on the value. I don't think it's a good return on our value, on, on his value. Not a good return on our money. So it's an interesting thing, and if, if, if we can quantify 2018, I don't know, maybe he's got an injury. I, I, we, I'll look into that a little more because if you're telling me we get 2016-2017 Landon Collins, yeah, maybe I'm a little more interested. But to see that regression in a contract year, I mean it's it's pretty similar to what Haha did, right? Contract year and suddenly he kind of regresses. Suddenly like what happened, dude? You know, again, coverage was fine, but overall there's no effort. It's a weird situation. Usually guys get better in a contract year, not so much, not with Landon anyways. But again, that's for the Packers to figure out. They've got pro personnel guys that understand what's happening, why it's happening. He's going to have a pretty hot market. Giants might bring him back. If not, he'll probably get his... I don't know if he'll get it. Why would he get... I don't know. I guess I'm skeptical of the $9 thing. We'll see. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I believe it's Wednesday. Enjoy your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.